And that is strategies to help us sustain through this time of lockdown and even beyond the time of lockdown, because I know uh, in various countries right now, they're starting to ease up some of the lockdowns in various places. But frankly, I don't believe this thing is over. Uh, And I think the battle is going to be longer than anybody thinks. Uh, And so I think we should get ready for that because, uh, as I said a number of weeks ago, if we're ready for a long battle, if we're ready for a long struggle, and then it's short, we'll go, hallelujah, praise Jesus, it's over. But if we think it's going to be short, and all of a sudden it turns out instead of to be six weeks, six months, then by the end of that six months, we're going to be exhausted and we won't be able to keep going. And that's what this whole series is about. It's about how we can sustain through the battle that we're having right now globally with COVID-19, with this pandemic. How do we sustain our lives as Christians? How do we thrive? How do we, in the, this time, move forward instead of backward? Uh, and that's what we're talking about. What do we need to do? How do we need to do it? And we said, you know, the first week we talked about the need to worship daily and make a daily time for worship. Second week, I talked about the need to pray continually, to keep on praying and what that meant. Uh, Last week, I I talked about several strategies. Uh, One was that we have to resist and refuse anxiety aggressively. We can't just be passive. Otherwise, anxiety will flood over you uh, and will overwhelm you. Uh, So we have to be careful with that. Uh, talked about how uh, we need to be uh, seeking God-centered meaning in all of this. What is God saying? What is God doing? And we need to be active about that, uh, about doing those kinds of things, Uh, seeking God's kingdom uh, and his righteousness. Um, And those are all important strategies there. Tonight, I'm going to talk about two new strategies, uh, but I'm going to first read the word. Uh, Father God, thank you that we can come together. Thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that you'd help me uh, to communicate it effectively and help us all to live it out joyfully. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor. This is 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Because by him, by Naaman, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking to quarrel with me. 
But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar, the, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no, uh, no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And Naaman urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth, for from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of, of Rimmon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. Elisha said, go in peace. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. This is one of the great stories in the Old Testament. I absolutely love this story. And it's about this great general, a guy named Naaman, who had been the victor in, in many, many battles and many conflicts. And, uh, and, but there was a problem. I mean, this great general, uh, he had lots of money. He commanded armies, mighty armies. The armies of Syria were some of the mightiest of the day. But he had leprosy. Now, leprosy was very, very contagious. It was a contagious skin disease, uh, and everybody was afraid of it. In Israel, if you had leprosy, you couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't offer sacrifices. You were considered to be unclean and rejected. And so if you were a leper in Israel, you had no part in the life of God. And so lepers in, in, in those days, they were probably some of the, the original self-quarantining people uh, in the world, except lepers were forced to self-quarantine. They didn't have a choice in the matter. It's a bit like what China did in Wuhan when it found that uh, uh, COVID-19 was in a block of flats. It would close down the block of flats and not let anybody go in or out of the block of flats. I mean, it was pretty intense. And so here's Naaman, and he only is free. He only has the, the wealth he has because he's such an effective general. And uh, his wife gets this servant girl who was captured uh, in Israel. And she says, listen, you know, if my master, he'd only go to Israel, 
uh, he would find the, the prophet there who would bring healing to him. So his wife tells Naaman, Naaman goes to the king, says, this is what I heard, can I go? The king says, go, you know, I'll, I'll bless you and I'll send a letter to you. So Naaman goes to the king uh, of Israel with the letter from the king of Syria and the letter says, here, here's my servant Naaman, heal him of his leprosy. And obviously the king of Israel, he's panicked now because he's like, I can't heal a leper. I mean, in those days, there was no cure for leprosy. So if you had it, most likely you were going to have it your whole life. Uh, it would continue to grow. It would continue to spread all over your body. And you may even die from it. So the king of Israel, he's panicked here because he thinks that the king of Syria is just trying to come up with an excuse to attack him. And so he's worried. He tears his clothes. He says, Oy vey, or, or the equivalent of it back in uh, ancient Hebrew. And Elisha hears about all of this. And he sends word to the king and says, King, why are you telling you're tearing your clothes? Send the guy to me and we'll show him that there is a God in Israel. So uh, Naaman goes and he goes with his armies. He goes with his chariots. He's taken, uh, you know, maybe an enormous sum with him. I don't know exactly what the sum would be equivalent today, but I'm sure it would be anywhere between one and 10 million uh, pounds. So it's an enormous sum. And so just imagine here, you're sitting at home and all of a sudden this huge army and all the chariots and everything like that, they come up to your front door. And uh, Naaman says, hey, come out. You know, I, I need to be healed of this leprosy. By now, Elisha knew what was going on. And so instead of going out, Elisha sends his servant and says, go and bathe in the river Jordan seven times. Now, the River Jordan is a muddy river. If you know the Thames um, in, uh, in London, the Thames is a muddy, dirty river. It's not the place you go to take a bath. Uh, yeah, I, I know uh, my mother-in-law is watching from the state of Missouri, and the uh, muddy Mississippi River is also another river that you don't normally go to take a bath. You actually don't know what chemicals are there. You don't know all the dirt and things like that. And yet here, Elisha says to this guy who has a skin disease, he says, go bathe in this really dirty, really muddy Jordan River. And Naaman's furious. He's absolutely furious uh, and uh, says, you know, there are better rivers in Syria. Why did I have to come all this way? Finally, his, uh, his servants say, hey, listen, you know, if he told you to do something really great, like climb a mountain, wouldn't you do it? So why don't you do this? And so he did. He went and he bathed seven times in the Jordan River and he was healed. So then he comes back, back to the house. Finally, Elisha comes out on, on his porch, his front, you know, out in his front stoop, comes out finally to greet the guy. And the guy says, here, I've got all this money, all this wealth I want to give you. And Elisha says, no, I'm not going to take a penny from you. And he says, okay, well, then if you're not going to do that, then let me take two bags of dirt back to my home so I can worship God. Now, I understand this. Uh, a few years ago, Karen and I were up in Scotland, and she was wanting to get stuff for the garden. And so we were up on the Isle of Lewis, one of our favorite places in the world, and we brought back some rocks from the Isle of Lewis, from the shore of the Isle of Lewis to put in our garden uh, so a bit of the Isle of Lewis is with us all the time. So I understand the sentiment here 
But for Naaman, it was even more important because he wanted the earth to create a place where he could worship God in that foreign land. And that's what he did. And he said, the only thing, please forgive me. I'm going to take the king in. I have to take him in to worship his false god. And uh, when that happens, I need to kneel down because the king is going to kneel down. Uh, And so I pray that God would forgive me in this. But otherwise, I will faithfully worship the one true living God. And Elisha says, hey, go be at peace. I mean, this is a great story uh, here in the Old Testament about the power of God and how God moves in people's lives and hearts to draw them to a place to worship him. And, and I see a couple of things, I think, that are very, very important for us here uh, in our lockdown, in our time of isolation, if you will. Uh, two more strategies that will help us to sustain. The first one is we need to practice social distancing, but not social isolation, social seclusion. We need to practice social distancing, but not social seclusion. Now, you notice what happened here. Uh, Technically, one of the big reasons why Elisha would not even go to see Naaman is because if you had contact with somebody who had leprosy, you were not able to sacrifice to God until you'd gone through rites of purification. And so it was important for Elisha, before Naaman was healed, it was absolutely important for him to practice social distancing. It would have been a common practice in that day. I mean, many times we think that social distancing is something that's new, but it's not. Social distancing has been a practice when disease has been around uh, for millennia. And it's worked very, very well. It's been very, very effective. And so you see here that Elisha is practicing social distancing but he is certainly not practicing social seclusion. He is looking for a way to communicate to Naaman, to connect with Naaman, to to help meet the needs that Naaman has. And in Elisha's case, he does it through his servant, Gehazi. Uh, He says, we think it's Gehazi. It might have been another servant. But he does it through his servant, Gehazi, uh, and he communicates to to, uh, Naaman in that way. And it's really, really important in this time. The real temptation, and I know I've had it, I know others have had it, is just to seclude ourselves. To say, okay, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to just look after myself. I'm going to deal with my issues. uh, And I'm going to get through this COVID-19 crisis. I'm going to get through this time of lockdown. And I don't really want to be put out with other people. Uh, I don't really care to, if I talk to other people or not. I don't really, no, I'm not saying that, uh, but that's the, the attitude. You know, this, this, I, I don't really want to talk to people. I, I like my life the way it is. I like my own little corner. I like my own little time of seclusion, my own little space, and that's fine with me. And then people tend to isolate or seclude themselves socially. And we need to remember what uh, the Proverbs says. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. 
He breaks out against all sound judgment. Whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. So we need actively to seek ways to connect with people. Even though we can't connect with them physically for reasons of the pandemic, we need actively to seek ways to connect with people spiritually, emotionally, socially, relationally, in whatever way we can. Praying together, uh, talking on the phone, doing things like Zoom uh, or, or any number of the other meeting softwares that are out there. Uh, FaceTime, if you're, you're an Apple person like myself. Uh, whatever it is, we need to be actively choosing to connect even as we practice uh, social distancing. I'll read Proverbs 18.1 again. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So if you're just isolating yourself, Solomon is saying here, you don't have sound judgment. You're just being selfish. You're just looking after yourself. And you may not feel like you need to connect with people, but I guarantee you there is somebody out there who needs you to connect with them. There is someone out there who needs your touch, even if it's not physical touch, who needs a relational, emotional, spiritual touch from you. And you must seek that intentionally. That's the strategy here. If you don't, you will not sustain during this time. Now there's a second strategy, and that's related to this first one, and that is serve others in whatever way you can. Serve others in whatever way you can. We have opportunities to serve, even though we're not face-to-face with people uh, in, in the sense of you know, physically in touch, there are ways that we can serve other people. Now, how do we know what to do? Ask God. If you ask God, the Holy Spirit will show you how you can serve others. I listen every day to see if the Holy Spirit wants me to, to contact somebody. Maybe by sending an email or inviting them into a, a, a conversation by phone or a Zoom meeting. Uh, I'm looking at ways that I can serve other people. I'm constantly uh, researching the whole COVID-19 situation so that I can give godly, wise counsel to our church so that I understand what is going on. I'm listening to the Lord so I can help people prepare. There's so many different ways that we can serve people. And in Elisha's case, he actually spoke healing over Naaman even when he wasn't face-to-face. He didn't have contact with Naaman. I mean, in the, in the body of Christ, we're used to laying hands on sick people and praying for them and seeing them well. But what Elisha did, he declared healing over Naaman's life without being physically present. He was practicing social distancing, and yet he brought about Naaman's healing. So we need to serve others in whatever way we can. Uh, I've got great friends here at the church, and I know some people have have said, hey, I'm going to take food to this person uh, because I know that they can't get out very well. I'm going to call them on a regular basis. I'm going to make a contact. And and the thing is, you don't have to look for big ways to do this. 
You don't have to look for something that's going to change the earth uh, or to move a mountain. Just look at something that's before you, something that you can do. I mean, you may not have the confidence to, to pray for a sick person, see them get well, although the Spirit of God within you can do that, but perhaps you do have the confidence to call somebody or send them a text, send them an email, uh, ring, uh, make a face-to-face -face contact by uh, um, you know, one of these means that we've been talking about. Ask the Lord what you can do to serve others and just pick the one thing Start there, the one thing that you can do, and do it well, and do it with all your might. The key part of this strategy is we take the focus off of us and put it on other people. We get the focus off of us and get it on other people. And that's really the, the theme that runs between these two strategies. You know, not to be selfish, not to be self-centered, not to seclude ourselves, but to open up ourselves connect with people, contact people, and serve people in whatever way we can. And those two strategies, combined with the other five that we talked about, those two strategies will begin to help you sustain and actually even grow in your faith during this time of lockdown, during this time of the pandemic. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about the last two strategies we have uh, that are key to help us to sustain during this time. But just begin to implement these things in your life. Begin to worship the Lord daily. Make sure you're praying continuously. Make sure you're resisting anxiety. Make sure you're constantly listening to the Lord to, to have understanding for what God is doing. Uh, make sure uh, that, uh, uh, that you're not isolating yourself, but you're intentionally connecting yourself with other people. Make sure that you're seeking ways to serve other people. And as you continue to implement these things in your life, you'll be amazed at the kinds of things that God does and how he helps you grow during this season. He will sustain you so that you grow and become even more effective as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's part of what that's all about. Now tonight, as we go forward in the house of prayer, and we're serving people through prayer here, uh, we'll have a song and then a time of listening for the Lord. And during that time, maybe you can ask the Lord to show you uh, if there's something you need to do to serve somebody or somebody that you need to connect with. Uh, just ask the Lord during that time of silence. 